What's going on, Wolfpack Nation? Thank you so much again for tuning in. Again, make sure, if you haven't already, please make sure to hit that subscribe button as it really helps support us in the channel. Please like this video if you enjoyed it. Check out all of our other great NC State content and also follow us at Tough to Talk Now on Twitter and Instagram. So we got Michael here and Layton here talking about our uh, top 14, or I guess ranking our ACC football coaches. And because again, just to kind of, kind of explain why we're doing this. So basically a couple of weeks ago, I would actually say a couple of months ago, actually by this point, there was a list put out or rankings uh, of the top coaches. And a lot of state fans really had a lot of issues because of where Doran was placed. And so we decided to make our own list and, and, and kind of dive into it, especially bringing Michael on. We figured what a better way to bring him on than to let him make the list and, and, and let's, and you and I uh, kind of react to it together. So Michael, just, just kind of, uh, I guess, remind everybody where we are. So give us the 14 through eight, and then we'll jump in right there at number seven. Yep. So I have at 14, Jeff Collins, 13, Dino Babers, 12, Scott Satterfield, 11, Justin Fuente, 10, Mike Norvell, 9, David Cutcliffe, 8, Bronco Mendenhall. Moving on to number seven, I have Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. Uh, I think he's... He's had the benefit of um, having Kenny Pickett there for like 20 years or something, but he's been, I mean, Pitts. He's been there a while. Yeah, they, they've always been, a t- they're always a tough um, competitor. I know when we play them, it's always, last year we had a great game against them. We pulled it out. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you know, I don't think anybody's expecting Pitt to be competing every year for ACC titles. Um but I think they're competitive enough to compete for that coastal division, especially with how crazy it can be some years with, you never know who's going to win. Um, I think, so I think he's got a solid program there. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see any hot seat there for him at all. So I have him right in the middle of the pack. Well, cause I know that when we beat them, that there was a lot of pit fans that are really visibly upset because they felt like that that was, a game that they should have won right. beating us. And, you know, definitely looking back, I feel like looking at the pit program overall, obviously their basketball program, uh, you know, is not as strong and it definitely hasn't been strong for quite some time. So you're kind of looking at where, it, where do they kind of define themselves in terms of what sports do they highlight and saying, we are going to focus on these sports right. and, or this sport, whatever it may be. And I feel like with football, especially having two huge alumni in Aaron Donald and Larry Fitzgerald, I feel like that just by using those two alone, that you should be able to, you know, build some excitement in the program, build some excitement within the players, within the fan base. And I mean, definitely, I definitely don't understand so far why I haven't seen like posters being posted on Twitter or something like that of like, Larry and Aaron's yeah. name everywhere or like Larry and Aaron at football games. Cause I mean, there's no doubt that, I mean, just like with Dorn, I think that's one thing that Dorn's done a great job of is really connecting with the former players and really r- making sure that they understand they're Definitely. more than welcome anytime to come in share some light with the, with the players. Like, you know, I mean, like for example, Russell Wilson, he came back in 2014 for the spring game. He came last year uh, as well. And I mean, he did the, uh, speech at uh, commencement, which mm-hmm. I mean, you know, definitely isn't necessarily Dorn, but just saying, like, you know, at the end of the day, those players, especially guys that are successful in the NFL, are huge to make sure that they are staying connected with the program. And so I definitely, that's that's one thing which I kind of 
see maybe I would look for somewhere better. But, I mean, you know, Pat Narduzzi, he pulled off one of the biggest upsets for ACC yeah. football in quite some time back in 2017. I, er, tw- no, yeah, no, it was 2017. Uh, 2017, beating Clemson at Clemson on that final field goal uh, and then went on to win the Coastal uh, and compete. Uh, and then also, too, I think it was 2019, he also went to – the ACC championship game as well, but hasn't won yet either. And so I I just, it's kind of one of those things. It's like you're, you asked the question, if they do fire Pat Narduzzi, who are they going to find better? Yeah. And unless you have somebody clearly that you are very confident that is worth letting him go. I feel like you can't do it. It just, he's such a solid coach. Uh, But I just don't really know if you're going to see him take the next step, unless he does it this year again, he's got a great quarterback and Kenny Pickett. So, I mean, I think for him, this is a big year for him, but I definitely just, again, I I feel like, and again, I don't know all pit fans. I don't know even really many, but I would just assume more likely just like for us that they don't want to be in this, this consolation phase where they're just, or or consolidating phase where they're just kind of sticking in that, you know, bowl eligible area. And that's it. You know, there, there has to be, the next step, because especially with Miami and Carolina, where they're going, you need to stay with them or you're going to get left behind. Simple as that. Yeah. So I know we that, uh, that's kind of my thought. I know we talked about it the last episode, but, you know, that team for teams that really want to compete, they have to invest in their program, their facilities and stuff. And Pitt, I mean, their home mm-hmm. stadium is Heinz Field, where the Steelers play. I, I So, right. I, you know, I it's tough to say that Pitt. Is wants to be a contender every single year for ACC championships when they don't even have their own stadium. I know it doesn't really make sense because you have that stadium right there. It's their campuses in downtown Pitt, but at the same time, you got to, like we said before, you have to invest in your program. Yeah, well, I mean, but I mean, one thing which I'll kind of throw back at you though is, I mean, look at Miami. I mean, they yeah. share Hard Rock with my with Miami Dolphins. So, but I, what I would kind of say though, in in, in the side of that is, I mean again i mean i just i just i find it hard to believe that they couldn't use the fact that they do share their facility with the pittsburgh steelers to maybe positive either you know get get um you know some steeler personnel or or or, you know whoever may be you know uh you know mike thomason whoever to kind of come in and shed shed some light and just again i I just I, i feel like that yeah, I mean it is a negative because the fact that they're they're never going to more than half fill their stadiums for yeah. for home football games. But I feel like there's got to be some there, there's got to be some positives in terms of the fact that it is a a pro football stadium. So I mean, you know, if, if you are looking to go to the NFL level, you get to come to Pitt and play in a place where you. I mean, if you do go to NFL, you get to play in a place like this. You know, every Sunday, yeah. and uh, so James Conner went to Pitt and then got drafted by the Steelers. Another. Yeah. And, and that's another, th- that's a third name I didn't yeah. think of. Yeah. Aaron Donald, Larry Fitzgerald, and James Conner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. But anyway, so jumping on to number six. Who you six, got? Six. I have Manny Diaz at six, which uh, I, I don't know, may seem low to some people, but I also, I feel like he's kind of um, underperformed at Miami. Um, I mean, they've been better. Even better recently, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. at the same time, he is getting some good recruits in there, and obviously Derek King, and it kind of just seems like they're not 
taking that next step where Miami should be, you know, in control of the coastal division every year. And it just doesn't seem like they're there yet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how long that lasts. I think he very well could there. I think he's trending upwards as well, but still kind of stagnant. So I, I do, do mm-hmm. have him in the top half, but there's definitely, a, I would be a little bit concerned if I was a Miami fan. Well, I think definitely this year is a big year for Miami because there's no doubt the Coastal is as wide open as it maybe ever has been. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, even the two top dogs in Miami and UNC that, I mean, everybody expected between one of them is going to take off. I mean, it definitely could have been that Miami lost to Alabama like they did. And then it could have been possibly that maybe UNC crushes Virginia Tech. And then it's like, okay, I know this is UNC's game. But but now, I mean, it's still clear that still is, yeah. as they still have the yeah. possibility to to win the Coastal. And I feel like with the De'Ara King, who is arguably, at least just by game starting perspective, the most experienced college football player in the current day college football era, I feel like that you have to produce with him. I mean, yeah. you can't let a guy like that go. Now, I would say the same thing about Carolina with Sam Howe. You can't necessarily like let a guy like that go either. But I also, again, it, it kind of comes back to two things that go through my head. First of all, you took over for a coach like Mark Richt, who is, I mean, definitely going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame mm-hmm. one day. A uh, great coach and had and had a great year, even at a great ten, short ten, shortish tenure yeah. at Miami. And so it's definitely a tough spot to take over but i also too feel like that he's kind of still a little bit unproven he's a good he's definitely done well so far mm-hmm. but i still feel like he hasn't necessarily solidified himself yet at miami yet but i definitely see whether if miami can win the coastal this year then i think that if whoever whoever gets to the championship game between carolina and miami who i presume one of the yeah. two of them will be the ones that win the coastal they have a very good shot or they have a good shot at winning the AC championship this year, whether they face Clemson or us or whoever it may be. Uh, just, just, and just basically saying that again, Clemson being slower is a, is a positive for whoever can take over. Cause I mean, unless it's Carolina, which I mean, there's no way that I would ever cheer for Carolina <laughs> to win the AC championship. No. But if like Miami makes it there, I definitely might cheer for Miami to win over yeah. Clemson just to finally get some new blood in there, you know, have somebody else besides Clemson. And so, uh, and that'll be huge. I mean, I, I do truly feel that if man Diaz could pull that off and win the AC title this year, he's there for the long haul. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. So before we continue, I want to take a quick second to tell you about our sponsor, Flatlands Jessup Insurance Group that has our whole world covered with agents in five offices throughout Eastern North Carolina to help you decide how much coverage you need. Offering policies for home and auto, recreational vehicles, commercial, crop, health, life, and employee benefits. They are able to combine options to find a comprehensive solution that works for you. Flatlands Jessup protects the things you love so you can spend less time wearing and more time enjoying them. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Flatlands Jessup. You can also visit their webpage at www.flatlandsjessup.com. So please make sure to go and check them out. So, all right, number five, and I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to be hearing a certain name here soon, but I don't know. Maybe you'll surprise me. <laughs> I At five, I have Dave Clausen at Wake Forest at five. Okay. Um, okay. I think he's done 
he's also been there only a couple of years now. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's done pretty well with that team. He's gotten some good recruits. I mean, Jakar, J- yeah, Jakar, uh, Jakar Robinson. He's going to be a top 10 receiver in the country this year. Sam Hartman's a solid quarterback. Um, it, mm-hmm. I mean, Wake Forest, I think they are the smallest power five school. Um, they're definitely about 80, about 8,500 students, yeah. which is ridiculously small. And so obviously when you have a small school like that, you don't have as big as an all alumni base. You don't have as much, you know, booster money coming in. Um, so mm-hmm. I think what he's done there, he's with wake um, and getting the recruits he has. I, I have him at five and definitely trending upwards as well. I feel like Dave Clawson, I've been thinking all day in terms of what kind of a metaphor would I use to describe Dave Clawson. <laughs> I feel like that, like, kind of, I kind of thought of it this way. So Dave Clawson, I feel like, is kind of like like a, a homemade wine, and you're trying to figure out how good of a wine it is. And so what you do is you make it, you cook, like, you you make some, like, let's say, some pasta with it, and you're and you're trying to use that to kind of evaluate how good your wine is. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to really understand how good it is until you really try it in the way that's meant to be by trying it, you know, in, in the peak condition and, or the peak circumstances. And because what I'm kind of trying to explain is that basically Dave Clawson, I feel like, honestly, he could be one of one of the I would say I would maybe put him at possibly having the, the ceiling of being maybe a top 20 coach in college football because of the fact that, I mean, again, it's kind of one of those things that kind of the same same thing with Cutcliffe that he's doing the best of what he's got, yeah. and I feel like that for him to do what he's done with Wake Forest year after year, being competitive, getting to bowl games, uh, you know, competing for for Atlantic title against you know one of the toughest divisions, you know that has has been around recently in in college football with competing against Clemson and and us and and the Florida States and you know you name it mm-hmm. and to bring in the names that he has recruiting wise. I mean, he's done really well recruiting uh, yeah. with us with, I mean, a program that it, let's be real. I mean, you know, they, they, they have, uh, uh, you know, they have speakers that, that are attached to their, their band and their students section is obviously less than ideal and just football tradition wise is not really exciting, but I mean, he's done amazing jobs. And again, I've, we've said it multiple times that, it is shocking to us that that another power five school has not called him yet. Yeah. How he has not gotten called yet. I don't know. Unless he's literally said, I'm staying awake for yeah, us. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe he likes he does, it there. Good for him. But I mean, I just feel like that we have not seen even close to his ceiling yet in terms of what he could do with actual funds and support. So I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, hope, Hope that metaphor kind of is mm-hmm. a little bit, I, you know, I did my best job I could <laughs> with it. But, I mean, you know, again, basically what I'm trying to explain is we have not truly seen how good this homemade wine is in, in Dave Clawson yet. I feel like from the circumstances that he's been provided, simple as that. So, number four, who you got? I got, so I've got Dave Doran at number four. Um, there we go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> obviously, yeah. he's, you know. I don't know. I could say a million things about Dorn. Yeah. But he's been solid. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously doesn't have the signature wins that we all would like him to have, but um yeah. he's he's been pretty much getting better every year. I know twenty nineteen, uh three and nine year, but we get dismayed by injuries in that year. 
And then last year, basically, I I don't know about you, I did not have very high expectations last year. Um, obviously, it was COVID year, and um, quarterback situation wasn't entirely clear. And then we got Devin Leary playing, and we were playing well, and then he got hurt. And to go eight and four last year, I think was was a an amazing accomplishment for him. Um, recruiting mm-hmm. wise, obviously, now that Mac Brown has taken over Carolina. He's doing really well there. But before that, Doran was, you know, dominating um, the in-state recruiting. Um, and, and he's still getting solid players. Um, we're just having a yeah. – it's a, you know, higher competition now with Mac Brown at UNC. But I've got him at four. Yeah. Well, and again, the biggest thing which I – and again, I'm like you. I could say a million things about yeah. Doran. But the biggest thing which I will say is I think he's done a great job of adjusting to the situation that he's in. And there's, cause there's two specific examples I can bring up. So first of all, uh, when it comes to actually assistant coaches, one of the things that I can't remember who it was, I think it was Garrett Bradbury. We interviewed back on our third episode a long time ago. And one of the things he said in there was that Doran told him that when assistant coach leaves, he goes and finds somebody even as good, if not better than the one that just left. And I mean, I feel like especially when you look at the coach they first hired when he when he came to state in terms of that ones that have left for other jobs, such as a Ryan Nielsen, a Des Kitchings, and Eddie Faulkner, those are great mm-hmm. coaches. I mean, I would say arguably those are some of the best. If you put each of those in terms of the best blank coaches in college football, they're up there. I mean, um, for sure. And and so, but I mean to replace you know, bring in a guy like Charlie Wiles and, and oh, yeah. be able to re- recruit him to come and coach at NC State with his reputation, with his experience. I mean, that was a huge win for sure. And then, I mean, to replace George McDonald with a guy like Joker Phillips, who also has a great reputation as well. Huge props to, to that as well. So, I mean, I feel like that even just from the even just from the just from the hiring side has done an amazing job of of keep of getting an even better if and then and then improving in coaching staff each and every year. Uh, Michael, do you have something to add to that? I was going to say another coach, um, Matt Canada, that um, yeah. he, he, I mean, he's been talked about for NFL head coaching jobs now recently. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. He's had that's some right. great, so, I mean, to go from great assistant coaches, to go from Matt Canada to Eli Drinkwitz, who I mean, is a great offensive coordinator to now Tim Beck, who yeah. I mean, has one of the best power five resumes of any office coordinator. Huge for sure. So I'll just leave it at that in terms of a big thing because I mean, again, there's no doubt that in terms of consistency, in terms of recruiting, in terms of getting his guys, in terms of understanding what state fans are looking for, that he is the guy. So if, if it were up to me, I would say he's our coach for 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 the long term tenure. In my opinion, right now, I mean, I feel like I love every single thing about about him so far. So, all right, so jump right to number three. Three, I've got Mac Brown at number three. At UNC, okay. Obviously, he came in pretty much made an immediate impact there um, at mm-hmm. Carolina. They were not doing well under uh, Fedora. Uh, he came in and pretty much turned them right around. Luckily, he had Sam Howell, who was an amazing uh, quarterback from his freshman year that helped things. Um, and then last mm-hmm. year, their offense last year was crazy good. Um, yep. He's just, I, you know. I hate to say it, but he's he's a really really good coach. Um, like sure. from building a program wise, recruiting wise, 
I mean, I think in-game coaching is not his strongest suit, as we saw in that Friday night game against Virginia Tech. They could have easily mm-hmm. won that game. Virginia Tech was handed it to them, and they just couldn't really pull it off. Um, yeah. But, yeah, overall, yeah, yeah. he's doing a very, very good job at Carolina. Yeah, I don't have too much really to add in terms of with Mac Brown. Besides, I mean, you know, obviously he's been coaching for a long time. Yeah. He did really well at UNC the first time. Then obviously did a great job with Texas, but winning a national championship with Vince Young and then like bringing on like Colt McCoy and really giving Texas its brightest years. And definitely, you know, you've seen Texas without him, you know, up until this point, it's definitely taken a huge step back, which I think kind of speaks to how good Mac Brown is. And even too, for him to come in and do what he's done so far, even with Carolina, which I think a lot of that is him basically falling backwards into a, you know, an exemplary quarterback in Sam Howell uh, to get him to flip from Florida state to Carolina, uh, you know, was, was a, a feat among itself. So, uh, yeah, definitely agree that he's number three. Uh, who you got number two? Number two, I have Jeff Halfley at Boston College. I mean, I, I was thinking it was funny. I was thinking through the names. I was who's like, left? Oh you got Jeff Halfley. I know. I, oh my I, gosh! All right. I don't. I like. Um, again, Boston College is a small private school. Um, I have him there more of because I think he's exceeded way way beyond expectations. Um. He's got them. They're going to be competitive um, this year in the Atlantic Division. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a great quarterback in Jerkovic. Um, I think he's everything I've read and heard about him is that the players love playing for him. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so I have him at two just because I think he's way exceeded expectations. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, Boston College has really all of a sudden gone from bottom feeder of the Atlantic division of basically just basically riding off of a, a top tier running back to being a great team mm-hmm. overall. I mean, to, to compete like they did against Clemson at Clemson last year in his first year uh, to, I mean, just bringing in talent like Bill Dracovic, uh, you know, his first year and really just, I mean, definitely look like everybody in ACC looks at Boston college. Now it doesn't look at them as, you know, like again those bottom feeders right. in the Atlantic division i mean now they're contenders mm-hmm. they are true contenders and i definitely don't see them uh losing a step now the one thing which i do i am curious about with him is i wouldn't be surprised if somebody called him here in, in the next year or two to yeah. you know, take a bigger job i mean i mean again unfortunately for boston college i just don't <laughs> see them really investing you know to keep him around they might they might, because you I mean again. I mean, there's no doubt. He, I mean, he's he would be worth it. I feel like from just the first year that we've seen him so yeah. far. But that's the only thing I worry about him with. But you know, definitely hats off to Boston College for getting a guy like him. Yeah. And then uh, I so. agree. I agree. I don't don't think he's going to be there long, unfortunately, for Boston College. No. And then no surprise whatsoever at number one, you got Davos. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with two national titles. Um. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, I, I fig- it's Clemson, Alabama, I figured Ohio I'd say State. It for you. Yeah, it's Clemson, Alabama, <laughs> Ohio State, at least in the last yeah. five or six years. You know, they're always going to be top top yeah. three in the playoff competing for the national title every year. And I don't think that's Ooh. a surprise to anyone. <laughs> 
Well, and again, because the biggest thing which still stands out to me when I think about Dabo is, again, how he basically got brought in originally as a wide receiver coach, mm-hmm. and then he got given the reins of of being uh, the, the full-time head coach and getting getting the opportunity. So I definitely, you know, kind of think to myself when the AD originally hired him, I mean, like what was going through his head? Like what sold him on to give him the reins? Because yeah. obviously – even AD himself, there's no way he would have expected what has gone on with with the program. There's no way. So I mean, yeah, it still just baffles me that I mean, again, it's not like he was a coordinator. It's not mm-hmm. like he was a head coach or like a like a you know a, a you know group of five school. He was a wide receivers coach, and then he got given the head coaching job to a power five school in the ACC. I know. It's, it's not even like of. it was it was um, an alumni like their Clemson like from their own coaching tree or something. Well, I guess he was the coaching tree, but right. like alumni from, of the school right. that they were going to keep it in house. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I, I do wonder is obviously uh, Nick Saban just signed an extension through like 2028. I don't see him coaching beyond that. Cause he's already 70. Um, does Alabama. Well, I know they will go after Dabo. Do you think no Dabo leaves Clemson to go to Alabama? No way. No. No way. No way. No way. I, I think I, I think that he will go down as a legend in Clemson football. And because again, it's kind of like kind of like for example, like when uh, Pat Papalicio. I know we're kind of switching to wrestling a little bit, but Pat Papalicio for wrestling. Right. One of the questions that kind of first came about when they started to really take off is. Pat, like, you know, are you going to leave us? Like, you know, make sure to stick around. And he said, like, we are the powerhouse. Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, like, I'm not going to leave for somebody else because we are a powerhouse. And so same thing is I feel like with, with Dabo is that, I mean, he has everything in Clemson. Why would he leave? I mean, they would literally give him a blank check and say, sign how much you need and they'll pay it. They're, I mean, guaranteed. Yeah. So it was turn- I mean, he's not going to get any more money. He's got as much following. He's got as much fan base. And honestly, I would say that, Life is good for him. Like, why? Why would he leave that? I mean, and I, I just, I, I don't. I feel like you're basically taking one piece of cheesecake for another piece of the same cheesecake from the same pie. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a power school, power program that has all the money in the world and will pay him whatever he wants. So, I just, I don't see it. I, I think that would be a bold statement for not much of a better job. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. The, the only thing is. Uh, is that he is, you know, he did go to Alabama. That is his uh, alumni. So I, I yeah. think they, it depends. Obviously that's way years away. I think it will also depend on what, how Alabama is between now and Nick Sa- the end of Nick Saban's career and how Clemson does between now and 2028 or whenever his, whenever Saban decides to retire. Um, well, and the last thing though, which I'll kind of add though off of is I would say that, Dabo, if he stays at Clemson he and he leaves Clemson, then he can say that what it is, what Clemson football is when he retires, is what he built. Exactly. If he goes to Alabama, he's building off of something that Saban already built. Fair. So it's like, you're, it's your legacy. Mm-hmm. Leave it at that. So so thank you all so much again for tuning in. Uh, please make sure, again, if you haven't already, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. Please make sure to like this video uh, and also to check out all of our great in-state content. Follow us at Tuffy Talk Now on Twitter and Instagram. As always, go pack.